0: Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called Acts to the Ends of the Earth. Over the course of 10 weeks, we'll see how God worked through the apostles and the early church to spread the good news of Jesus coming to save both Jews and Gentiles. Acts shows us how, as Christians, we need to be consumed with the love of Christ and seek to transform our community and the entire world by the gospel. We're going to be reading in Acts chapter 26. We're going to read verses 28 and 29. Luke writes, Agrippa said to Paul, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? I wish before God, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Corey. Y'all don't get to see Corey a bunch because he's always working in the back, but I'm so thankful for him, um, thankful for our team. Today, I'm, I'm extra thankful for the Lord. Um, uh, I remember when he came for me uh, and found me. Today uh, you're here because he wanted you here. Did you know that? You may not have known that, but he wanted you here today and I'm just so thankful that you are here. Y'all are quiet today. Y'all are quiet today. Um, if uh, you, Have you ever been in a church where if you're a visitor, they make you stand up? <laughs> you should have seen all our visitors' faces. I'm not gonna make you stand up. <laughs> um Turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 24. Um, Corey read out of um, chapter 26. We, we're going to finish the book of Acts today. We've been in the book of Acts for 12 weeks. Can you believe it? 12 weeks. We've been walking through the book of Acts. And um, we're going to finish it up today. Today is also Palm Sunday. Um, If you have not been in church your whole life, you probably have no idea what that means. Um, What that represents, Palm Sunday is always the Sunday before Easter. And what it marks is uh, when Jesus arrived in Jerusalem, in Israel, in the Middle East, just trying to get you over that way. He arrived in Jerusalem and what all of the Israel, what all the Jews thought at this point was this: that Jesus was going to arrive in Jerusalem and overthrow the government. And that's not why he came. In fact, he came to die. He came to die, and he came to die for you. Um, today um, we're going to look at that. We're also going to finish the book of Acts, but. Um, any history fans, does anybody like history? Oh, good. None of you. Excellent. No, I'm just <laughs> Well, why are the history fans so shy? <laughs> right here, pastor. Um, you're going to get a treat today, um, because we're going to talk a little bit about how you ended up here. Um, in 24 let, let, me, let me fill in some gaps so we have gotten all the way from Jesus dying on the cross he rose again um, and the 120 they're all gathered together in the upper room when the spirit falls and I'll go back to the beginning of Acts here um, in chapter 1 we found the, the um, kind of the theme for the entire book of Acts in chapter 1 where it says this Um. Chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What we have done for the last 12 weeks is we've seen it go from Jerusalem. Y'all remember when we were in Jerusalem? Peter was preaching. He stepped out, speaking in tongues, uh, proclaimed the very first gospel message. Not that, you killed Jesus. It was your sins that put him on the cross. You realize that? All of you are pronounced guilty. There's no, maybe, maybe I should have preached on this back then, um, but there, there's this, some of us have this attitude that you've earned the cross, that you've been good enough. You were raised by a Christian family, maybe. You were raised in the church, and you earned it. Let me tell you something. By all counts, everyone under the sound of my voice has earned a guilty status. You're all guilty. So if you've come in here and you already knew you were guilty, boy, is that a freeing thought. You did not have to come in here worthy Because you weren't worthy, and none of us were either. While we were yet sinners, right? That's what Romans says. He died for us. And so today, uh, that message is what spread all throughout the Middle East, up into Turkey, which is referenced in Acts as Asia. All through Turkey, we saw it go into Greece um, and now, after these missionary journeys, Paul has made it back to Jerusalem. There's a riot started. He ends up arrested. There was a plot to kill him. Have you ever had a plot made against you to kill you? No? Oh, Dewey. Oh, my word. I have to hear that one. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I expected no hands on that question. We're having coffee afterwards, sir. That was, I'm not gonna be able to preach now. My mind just went like James Bond. (laughs) Wow, what did you do? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't wanna know, I don't wanna know. I know what Paul did though, I know what Paul did. Um, Paul proclaimed the gospel, Jews did not like it. Did you know this, that when you preach the gospel, and if you haven't seen this in the book of Acts, you should know by now, when you preach the gospel, not everybody's going to like it. In fact, as we preach the gospel in here every Sunday, you are going to feel, even as a Christian, you will feel the gospel rubbing up against the sinfulness in you. And my hope is that the Holy Spirit convicts you of anything that is not of Christ in you and that you leave here different. That's what happens when we make much of Jesus in this place. So Paul, this riot gets started. There's a plot to kill him. Um, and then we found, they found out about the plot. And so at the end of 23, we found Paul um, is kind of being protected um, uh, in uh, Caesarea uh, so that people don't kill him. Just to go through 24, I've got to kind of go fast because I, there's something very specific I want to get us to at the end of the book. Um, in 24, some, a few days go by, uh, some Ananias, who's the high priest. Y'all have heard this name probably a lot. You know who Ananias convicted and put on the cross was Jesus. Ananias, the high priest, came down with some elders, and, the lawyer, and they came down with a lawyer. Um, they made these accusations against Paul, um, and... Uh, Of course, Paul pleads his case all through 24, 10 through, let's say, 21, um, and and Felix, who's the governor at the time, says, okay, I'm going to postpone this. Let's just lock him up for a little while. They actually end up locking him up for two years, two years. Anybody been locked up for two years? No, don't put your hand up. I don't want to (laughs) know. I've already gotten one answer that I did not anticipate today. I don't need to know about it. (laughs) I'm going to stop asking questions. He was locked up for two years. Felix actually was hoping he was gonna get some money out of Paul. Um, And Paul took every opportunity when he was locked up uh, to actually put the gospel on display. And so in 25, uh, we see a new governor, Festus, shows up. And Festus wants to hear about all this. Paul tells him the gospel. And it made me think of something, Here's a guy in this riot, beaten, which is one of the many he received, imprisoned multiple times, um, rejected from entire cities. Get out of here. We see where he says, we had to shake the dust off our feet and move on to the next town. Um... Paul has not had a easy go of it, but at every opportunity, he puts Jesus on display. I wonder how many of us in our day-to-day lives, and and I'm sure many of us will say, hey, life is not easy, right? Anybody got it easy in here? Okay, look, if you don't have it easy, you came in today, you're like, man, my life is a wreck. Welcome. I think some of us, which is kind of opposite of Paul and really anyone in the New Testament who faced in Acts, as we've walked through the first church here, they all faced opposition. Their lives were not easy yet. Out of them flowed the gospel message. If you today are waiting for your life to be less messy, to come to Christ or to share Christ, if you're waiting till you're a certain age, like till you're old enough, if you are waiting because you've tried sharing before and it was rejected, so you've just stopped sharing altogether, You know that family member that you continually preach the gospel to and they never respond? And so now you just haven't? Because it was hard? The good news of Jesus Christ should be ever on our lips. There is no opposition that we face that should keep us from sharing what Christ has done And Paul surely did not. Um, So in 25, we see King Agrippa show up. King Agrippa wants to hear about it. Um, Paul shares with Agrippa um, his testimony. Notice very, very quickly, the majority of what we've seen have not been prepared sermons, but one believer sharing their testimony with those who don't know him. I'm gonna poll the room, and I actually want your answer this time. How many of you, and look, don't be ashamed if you haven't, okay? How many of you have ever shared your testimony of how Christ saved you with someone else? Yeah, look at that. Here's one. How many of you haven't? Yeah, okay, that's good. See, there's hands. Look, you don't have to be embarrassed. Your testimony is your primary vehicle for the gospel. Did you know that? Your testimony is your primary vehicle for the gospel. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be on staff at a church. We said last week, right? The moment you are saved, you become an empowered witness. Thank you, Michael. So Paul tells Agrippa, Agrippa's like, are you trying to, um, I wish, uh," he says, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? And Paul says, I wish before God that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. I wish you would just picture this. He's in chains. He's been bound up. He's been in jail for two years. And he's saying, I wish you would get saved. Can, can I just put all my cards on the table? This is not a bait and switch in here. I want you to be saved. The reason you're here, the reason we proclaim the gospel is for you to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's no other goal. There's no other goal. Everything else is a byproduct of that. Paul's cards were always on the table. I want you and everyone listening to me today to be saved. I want you to be just like I am except for these chains. I can almost see Paul raising his chains up. So they talked, the folks, he's been in jail for two years at this point. And at the end of 26, they're like, look, we can't, he, this guy shouldn't even be in jail. We can't find any guilt in him. But then um, these guys said, should we send you back to Jerusalem for a trial? And he appeals to Caesar. Uh, he's a Roman citizen. And so he uh, makes his way. They have to make their way to get him to Caesar. And so they put him on a boat. And they sail. As a matter of fact, before they get on the boat in 27, what we find out, they're sailing to Italy. They're going to Rome. Anybody been to Italy in here? I've not. A couple. Um, They're headed to Rome, uh, which is the center of, obviously, the Roman Empire. It's where we get it. Um, Paul says, hey, this isn't going to be a great trip. Um, it's going to be some storms, and the Bible says they were in Acts twenty-seven. They there were storms for fourteen days. I can't. I've been on a boat one time when there was a storm. Never again. Never again. I got saved three times on the way back. <laughs> three times. <laughs> Pleaded with God for my life and my soul. They were on a boat in a storm for 14 days. They thought, they thought this is it. This is going to be over. In fact, Paul, which is so interesting. This is so interesting. Paul stands up on this boat in the middle of this storm. Similar to Jesus who was asleep on the boat in the middle of a storm. He gets up and he says, Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith. You remember this story? And he tells the storm to calm. Well, Paul stands up on this boat. He says, Don't worry, guys, we're all gonna be okay. I saw an angel last night. He said, The boat's gonna get trashed, but you're gonna be just fine. And what happened? The boat was trashed. They wrecked on Malta. They met, and, and then we see this um, really cool kind of story, a little reminiscent, maybe. Uh, Paul, they land on this island, shipwrecked. Anybody know any shipwreck TV shows? Yeah, Gilligan's island. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gilligan's island. It was a little different, but um, they shipwreck. They meet these people in Malta. Their hospitality was great. As a matter of fact, there's a story of Paul getting up some firewood. They had to start a fire. Have y'all ever heard this story? He's gathering up some firewood. If Anybody ever gathered firewood? Okay, what's the first thing somebody tells you when you go to gather firewood? Anybody? Watch out for snakes. I don't know if it's because of this or just that's where snakes hang out, Uh, but... (laughs) Paul picks up some firewood. Now, Paul's a, a boss, boss. I don't do snakes. I don't do snakes at all. I don't care what kind. Some of y'all are like, oh, you know, the black kind's good. You know, they keep rats and other snakes away. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, that's not okay. It's not good for my emotional, I, like, I, I feel like I need therapy after um, I see a snake. I don't do snakes, and I do landscaping for a living. It's a terrible profession to be in. Constantly see snakes. Paul picks up this bundle of firewood. This snake comes out of the firewood, bites his hand. Yeah. yeah some of you are like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, Paul, th- this is wild, Paul carries the firewood back to the fire with the snake attached to his hand. I don't know what your response is to snake bites. I don't know. I guarantee you, now the firewood is the least of my worries, right? Like I'm screaming, I'm running around like a five year old, losing my mind because I got a snake on my hand. Not Paul. He comes with the firewood. The scripture tells us this and shakes the snake off in the fire. And they said, yep, yeah, this guy, he must have made some God angry. This is what the people of Malta thought. He's, he's made some guy angry and um, he's going to die. And when he didn't die, the people of Malta said, oh, well, maybe he's a God. Uh, they thought he was a God. Uh, this is in 28. Uh, so anyway, they, they help. Um, There's some healing that happens on this island and then they send them off and he lands in Rome. Um, He gets interviewed while he's there, um, meets a bunch of people. Uh, What I want to skip to is the very last couple verses here in 28. It says this in verse 30. Paul stays, so he makes it to Rome. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, without hindrance. Doesn't that sound like a great ending to the story? Right? That's the last, those are the last two verses in the whole book of Acts. Isn't that the story? That's where you want it to end, right? That's where you want the story to end. In fact, it does not end that way for Paul. Because after those two years, right around, they say somewhere between 62, 67 AD. That's kind of the time frame we're looking at. Paul would be tried and beheaded. They would cut off his head. I thought about doing some type of, like... Visual example, but then I thought, man, that's really violent, and I didn't know who to use. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. This, look, this is Sermon Prep 101, okay? Uh, some things are okay, some aren't, and that's, that's one of them. Can't behead anybody during your sermon. Um, Paul is beheaded And that's around 62, 67 AD. And today, look, look, this is kind of how it went to the ends of the earth. You ready for some history? How many of you like to travel? Maybe that's more of you. Okay. See if you've been to any of these places. After 67 AD, when Paul is beheaded, one would think, here's the big champion of Acts, right? Peter and Paul. In fact, what started as 120 in Jerusalem is now thousands and thousands of believers. You know, Rome is 2,000 miles, an eight hour plane ride, and they didn't have planes from Jerusalem. That's how far the gospel spread. Thousands of people. 67 AD, somewhere around there, Paul dies in AD 80. So just 13 years later, the gospel shows up in France and Tunisia. In 100 AD, it shows up in Algeria and Sri Lanka. And then 150 AD, Portugal and Morocco hear the message of the gospel for the first time. In 174, it reaches Austria and Switzerland and Belgium. In 328, it gets into Africa for the first time. We see missionaries in Ethiopia in 328. In 595, our first missionary, St. Augustine. Have you ever heard of St. Augustine? He um, sends folks, a group of them went to England, 10,000. People saved the very first year in England. In 635, first missionaries arrive in China. Some of you may think we just started um, trying to reach into China. We've been reaching in China since 635 AD. In 740, Irish monks take the gospel to Iceland, and it doesn't reach Norway until 900. By 1200 AD, the Bible is now in 20, or 22 languages. In 1491, missionaries arrive in the African Congo. And just a few years later, we would see the first Kenyan Christians. The Pope at the time wanted to get the gospel into the new world, as they were calling it then, and so they sent priests with Christopher Columbus on his second journey to the new world. 1531, missionaries' work begins in Mexico. 1550, John Calvin sent a team to Brazil. In 1640, Jesuit missionaries land in the Caribbean. Anybody been to the Caribbean? Well, some of y'all were like, no. Some of y'all are kind of upset that you haven't been there, and you should be. You should go. The gospel got there in 1640. In 1730, we saw the Great Awakening. Have you ever heard about the Great Awakening? George Whitefield, Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the hands of an angry God. They're preaching this great awakening revival in 1730 throughout the colonies. In 1814, there's a mission started in Richmond, Virginia called Branches Baptist Church in 1814, right up the road. They were a mission for several years until they were planted out of Chesterfield Baptist Church, which was... Um, a different Chesterfield Baptist, not on Hall Street, not the one we know now. It's a different one. Branches Baptist Church was in 1814 and they um, grew and grew and grew until 1912. Um, they built their very first sanctuary out of brick because the wooden, the wooden church they were in right up the street was not sufficient anymore. And then... They built a new sanctuary, actually, in 1948, but just a couple years prior to that, in 1946, January 1st, 1947, a group of 12 people met in the home of Mr. G.P. Trent and had a prayer meeting on New Year's Day. After joining together in Bible study and prayer, receiving much joy and happiness, these services of these 12 people continued week after week and grew. Reverend Leland Waters, who worked as the superintendent for the Baptist Association, had a large home, and so they would meet in his home. Through the efforts of Mr. Kane and Reverend Waters, they set up a tent. And then in June... Of 1947, they had their first Sunday school and worship service and 30 people attended. Enrollment began to grow and grow and grow and eventually they, just, they realized they needed some more organization and so they reached out to branches, Baptist Church, and said, we need some help. And so branches, Baptist Church, adopted what would in 1949 become Southside Baptist Church. And Southside Baptist Church would begin in a tent right here. And then the church would grow and grow and grow until they had to, um, a, a building was sold for $100. A building was sold that used to be the chapel at Fort Lee. And it was cut up in sections and placed right here, a white building that many of you will remember. The church continued to grow, and in 1960, they built their first building. Southside Baptist Church built this section that goes along right back here. And as the church continued to grow, and Sunday school blew up in 1972, they built this section right here, and then close to the mid-90s, um, two churches merged together. Pinehurst Baptist Church and Southside Baptist Church merged in the mid-90s and began plans to build this very building that you set in today. Many pastors, many faithful people, many of those in this room today. Buddy Sprouse, stand up for me. Buddy, can you do that, Mr. Buddy? Buddy Sprouse was a charter member here in 1949. Thank you, Mr. Buddy, for being here. Judy Corum was a little girl. Many of you grew up here, Wayne Williams, many in this room, Harvey, Marcia, Allison grew up here. Where are you going with this pastor? Just a few years later, turbulent times. The church needed some revitalization and 30 retirees and a couple others who were still working let this young guy come in and we began preaching the gospel new and afresh and it's decided that we wanted to get the gospel into every dark corner of this community new and again. And so Transformation Church, which is Southside Baptist Church, as a matter of fact, we're technically still, according to the IRS, Southside Baptist Church in Northchesterfield. Transformation Church was the next chapter, we closed no book on Southside Baptist Church. God started a new chapter here at this church that started in a tent, in a mission that was started by faithful people who saw the need for the gospel in this area. Hear me. That's how you got here. Hear me. Today. Today. You and I can trace our roots back to 120 people that looked eye to eye with the risen Christ. And it's our turn. Paul served till he was beheaded in 67, and then faithful believers all these years were convinced that Jesus Christ is who he said he was faithful believers paved the way for the gospel to reach you where right where you are today think about this god has been working a long time to reach you he knew you'd be here today 2000 years ago ish jews waved palm branches as Jesus made his way to the cross for you and it sent into effect the cross the price paid sent into effect this ripple that would ripple across Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth right to my heart to your heart And it's your turn it's our turn just like Paul said look wh- whether something good happens to me or bad happens to me I want to run my race and today we have a race to run and it has global implications but not just global but household implications In 2 Corinthians, Paul actually wrote several letters. He actually wrote in these last couple chapters, he wrote Colossians and Ephesians, um, Philippians, Philemon. He wrote all those during that time. In one of his letters to the Corinthians, which he wrote a little earlier, he said this. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised, he was talking about you. He was talking about Christ dying for you. Next week, we celebrate Easter. We don't just celebrate that he died and paid the penalty for your sin. We celebrate a risen Savior who conquered death. Why did we preach through Acts? Very simply, I believe the Spirit of God is calling us to run the race. Man, I just want to finish well. I'm in my mid-30s. I'm in my mid-30s. And so for some of y'all, you're like, oh, this whippersnapper's just getting started. Man, I just want to run well. I want to run this race well and grab every heart I can along the way, proclaiming the good news that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners like you and like me, and that no one and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ that's good news it's been, so, it's been declared for thousands of years across the globe to Richmond, Virginia where it met your heart and it is now our job as believers to keep it going to run the race and today if you're not a believer whether you're here or you're online today's the day The cross is wooing you. Come and die. Come and die to yourself. And I'll give you life. That's the call. That's the call. I'm going to pray for us. And I pray you take today's message. And I hope it stirs a fire in you to run. To run well. Until the day he takes my last breath. I wanted to say of the Lord that he is good and his mercy endures forever and his love covers a multitude of sins. It is as true today as it was 2000 years ago. And it is true for you as it is anyone else. I don't care what you've come in with today, what your history looks like, it covers it. And so that's what I want to declare. that should be what our hearts declare. Whether we're in high school and we're declaring it to our friends in the classroom. Whether we're, it's at our job sites. Whether it's in my home where nobody else believes in God but I do. It, it, it's In our neighborhoods where they went door to door yesterday at Crystal Lakes Apartments. I hope you've invited someone next week. I hope you've invited someone next week because what we're going to talk about is that exact exchange, how Christ took your place and exchanged it for life. It's true. Hey, look at your neighbor and say, It's true. It's true. Father, today, thank you that your hand reached down and found me. Thank you, God for the people you have used to push your good news across the globe. I know, Father, that if we lift up your name, all men will be drawn unto you. And so, Lord, I ask that if your spirit is whispering to a heart today, come, that they would come, that they would receive you as Lord, that they would give up trying to fix it on their own and recognize you as the answer they've been looking for. Thank you for faithful believers that run the race well, that this today, Transformation Church, is just going to be faithful today and tomorrow and is for as long as you have us. And we want to send people out to go and tell the good news. That you have saved us. God, I am confident that you today are continuing in 2022 to build your church. And I wanna be a part of it. I wanna be a part of it, God. I'm so thankful that you would use this imperfect vessel to help build your church here, today, now, so that others would come to know the saving grace.